Okay, um, naked, um, jacuzzi, Pepto-Bismol, toenails. Shave my buttocks. How much would that cost? Jeez, oh, honey, you have quite an imagination. How much would it cost? <laughs> Welcome to The Secret Cinema, the film podcast that talks trash about trashy talkies. I'm Paolo Carone, my co-host is Carrie Chafee, and on today's episode we're joined by director, actor, and comedian Kyle Surma to discuss Jerry Zucker's 2001 ensemble comedy, Rat Race. Before we start tearing into this dreadful film, I want to give a quick shout out to Lanai Chapman, I'm probably getting that first name wrong, uh, but Lanai Chapman, the actress who plays Whoopi Goldberg's character's daughter. In the hour and a half we spend discussing the film, we somehow never remember her name, despite numerous references to her character, so just out of courtesy, I wanted to actually make sure we got her name in here somewhere. Lanai Chapman, something close to that, remember her. Also, to clarify something I say in discussion, Lanai Chapman is not an Oscar winner. I just momentarily forgot that one plus one does not equal three. Watching Rat Race will do that to you, though. Anyway, here's Carrie with the plot summary. All bets are off when Donald Sinclair, an incredibly wealthy casino owner, gives six strangers the chance to win two million dollars! The lucky six just have to make it from Las Vegas to Silver City, New Mexico, where the cash waits for them in a locker. But with no rules or guidelines, these contestants feel like rats in a maze, battling their way to the end. Who will win this rat race? Rat race oscillates wildly between two modes. Subpar sitcom-level exposition and shamefully lowbrow and over-the-top slapstick. The subpar exposition is on display in our first clip, which takes place immediately after John Lovitz and family steal Hitler's car. As you listen to the short scene, see if you can discern any real purpose behind the family's conversation. All we really need to know that they've stolen the car is to see them in it, so the conversation seems redundant at best and worthless at worst. Here's that clip. I can't believe it, Dad. You just stole Adolf Hitler's Mercedes Benz. Well, Hitler had it coming. What goes around, comes around. <laughs> Man, they're gonna be pissed. Yeah, they're always pissed, honey. They're Nazis. It's like it's their job. Hey, honey, when we get to Silver City, we'll, uh, we'll call them, we'll work something out. <laughs> and here's the film's other mode, low-brow slapstick. Obviously, the slapstick is mostly visual, but it occasionally translates into embarrassing dialogue as well. Our next clip won't really be helped by context, so just know that Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character is half-naked, sweaty, and dirty, he's talking to a bus driver in an otherwise empty bathroom, and that he's not actually married. Here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for a discussion of Rat Race. Oh, 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 mister, you gotta help me. My wife, she's, she's out back. She's having a baby. She's having a what? A baby! She's having a baby? And it's halfway out! Oh. I can see the head! Oh. Yeah. I need your jacket. Why? Uh, for her amniotic sac. Oh. Yeah, her amniotic fluid. It's all that's gushing out. Gushing? The jacket! Oh. The jacket! Give me the jacket! <laughs> and your pants. My pants? 
Your pants, yeah, for her, you know, her placentia, you know, and her, her labia and her cervical. Oh, God, the mucus gushing, it's gushing. The, it's just the whole, it's pulling me to pants! And that. Oh, my hat, why? Why my hat? episode we're talking about rat race and we are joined by a very special guest someone who is near and dear to our hearts mr kyle sermos good introduction yeah yeah it's good to be back in chicago yeah we're happy happy you're here it's it's always fun to be here watching spending my time indoors (laughs) watching rat race (laughs) (laughs) it's 70 degrees first day of 70 degrees in chicago and we're watching rat race indoors (laughs) but making memories that's what we're doing this is what we honestly if i was still here this is what we would have done on this exact same day (laughs) but there's so much surrounding the fact that i'm here on this vacation so you gotta like do fun things but no this is right this is what we're doing this is but this is absolutely fun. And uh, Rat Race was, was a lot of fun. In a way. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this movie, I have seen it like a hundred times. I, I was telling Paolo, in middle school and high school, I fell asleep to this DVD menu at so many sleepovers. I just heard that Rat Race song over and over and over again. <laughs> I actually went and saw this movie... After I got my eighth grade yearbook picture taken, so I saw it in theaters. This baby's like keyed into like yes, important is, memories. It is of grounded life, in my movie history, <laughs> and it's so sad too because all of my like important movies in middle and high school they are not good to revisit. But uh, Kyle, you said you've seen this movie a lot too, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously cable bait. Like it's gonna. Be- <laughs> I've seen this in a three-hour structure multiple times. Yeah, and, it's like TBS and yeah. TNT and Comedy Central are all fighting about yep. who would show it. And it killed when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, like, I mean, if you really think of like where you're at of like understanding what's funny and just strictly like gag and weirdness, this movie nails that on all facets. But when you look at it as an adult, this is the first time I think I've seen it. <laughs> anything above. 15. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, lucky you. That, uh, yeah, this is it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah, Paolo, what? Uh... Well, I, I've actually, I've only seen this twice. This was my second time watching it ever. And I've actually seen It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World yeah. um, three times. Mad. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I've seen I, it as many times as I said mad. Why did they decide to make the title so frustrating to say? Because even when I was trying to tell you, I'm like, should I type this in the text message box? All mads. And I had to like look up to count how many mads. There are four. There are four mads. And then when it's referenced on the internet, yeah. they go dot, 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 mad world. Yeah. We get it. We get it. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Well, people are going to think you're talking about the song if you don't use it all the <laughs> Yeah. And then they'll think you're talking about Donnie Darko, and then it becomes this vicious cycle, you know. But what do you think, Paolo, as a, as a novice to this movie? Well, as I, as I said a lot during the movie, like, well, obviously I hated this. <laughs> obviously. It was just, it really... Uh, it just it's 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 at certain points I just set my my notebook down and just kind of just blankly stared yeah. at the screen. Um, I guess the best metaphor is the episode of The Simpsons where 
you, where Homer is talking to Flanders and his brain just floats away from his head and then Homer <laughs> collapses on the ground. That's like what this viewing experience is like for me. But also, I mean, on top of that, I don't know what it is about this movie, but we only watched this two weeks ago and watching it today, I had forgotten most of this movie, probably like 75% of this movie. And I remembered the really horrible stuff, but I was shocked by how many like stupid things are required to even get us to the horrible jokes that I remembered. Yeah. It is a lot. <laughs> we got it. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. We are going to talk about the infamous Hitler joke of this movie <laughs> yeah. that even as a young boy, I remember and John Lovitz, cringy. who does it? Yeah. yeah. But it's like, John Lovitz, my hero, this guy, <laughs> all he has to worry about is one line. Like, that's all he contributed to SNL, is having, making sure he had his one significant line. <laughs> and this is like, as a child, greatest actor ever. And like, seeing this played out. Just so sad for him. Like, I just like, every time I see John, I love John Lovitz, and... Happiness is one of my favorite movies, so I always like think of him in that and think of how great he is. He's in Happiness. He's like the first scene of Happiness is him and Jane Addams, and it's this amazing scene that just sets up like the tone of the whole movie. And yeah, John Lovitz is great in that. I've never seen him do another movie like that or take another role like that. It's you're more likely to see him in something like Rat Race or yeah. The Benchwarmers. And it's so it's so sad because he's so funny and it just you just like see his talent. Being I wasted. saw that he was recently at Firekeepers Casino. Yeah, <laughs> doing stand up. Yeah. He's still doing stand up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so before we get into the sadness that is John Lovett's career, <laughs> let's backtrack a little and talk about first what this movie is about. And then we got to explore all of the cast members. Because I wrote down, there are over a dozen people that are, you know, like, everyone knows their name and recognizes their face. Yeah. This is and like they're... Valentine's Day before Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is yeah. Like the... And there's three Oscar winners in this, this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, why? Why are they in this movie? <laughs> but, okay, so Rat Race is the boiled down plot of this movie is that there are these people, there's about eight people, they all go to Las Vegas for various reasons, they're at a casino, and they use a slot machine and they win this specific gold coin, and the gold coin says, hey, you have won this once-in-a-lifetime chance, come to this meeting, they go to the meeting. Well, okay, and I really want to ask about that coin machine really quickly. So the idea is that all of these people are completely randomly selected for this thing, right? Yes. But all of them have backstories that, like, tie into the fact that they need this money. And so they're, like, people who won't be able to resist this offer, all of them. Right? Yeah, let's give this a little bit of credit, yeah. though. Isn't that everybody in a casino? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Why are you playing Fair the quarter enough. slots at a casino <laughs> when money isn't a problem? Oh, yeah, okay, good point. <laughs> I didn't ever think of that. Kyle's got you. I just thought it was so weird just seeing that, like, all the times where they, like, went to the machine and pulled it and one coin came I can't think of no, any time. There was occasionally where there would be, like, a couple other coins yeah. that would fall through. It's like, why was... I think there was one, yeah, like, who was it? It was, uh... Spreck and Meyer. Yeah, Spreck and Meyer like had a quarter and a... Yeah, but it's like, what? I never, I mean, I haven't gone to a casino too many times, so I can't imagine there's, like, you have to be, like, a penny machine where you get, like, a quarter <laughs> yeah. as your reward. A penny it's machine. A big win. <laughs> I love that you called it a penny machine. What, what, what's it called? There are, there are plenty ones, too, right? Penny slots. Penny slots. Penny slots. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not, I don't go to a casino. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like if I were go to go to a football game. Yeah. 
Casinos, <laughs> I am now going to casinos more often than I have in life just because of, like, <laughs> yeah. future father-in-law. He loves casinos. <laughs> and it is the the worst feeling place ever. <laughs> it's the best people watching, though. It's pe- Yeah, people watching, but it's also really sad. Yeah. <laughs> whenever I go to casinos, the thing I'm always amazed by is how many people are on oxygen tanks. Yeah, like sitting that's, at a slot machine with their right. oxygen. And it's and I feel like Hollywood has also like contributed to that stereotype. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so let me let's get back to the yeah, plot sorry. so that we can just, <laughs> No, no, I want to just do the plot quick so that we can fully explode on what a mess this movie is. Yeah. So, all these people they get this gold coin. It's like the golden ticket in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And they go to this meeting and the meeting is run by John Cleese, who is this billionaire millionaire billionaire he basically he's a really rich guy he tells them hey we're giving you this chance there's two million dollars in a locker in silver city new mexico and if you can get there first you get the money and nobody really believes him and they all kind of leave the meeting saying oh i'm not sure if i'm gonna go for it i have other plans or i'm going back to chicago or i'm here with my family and we're gonna go see david copperfield and then of course all of them decide they're gonna go for the money and that's the rat race is that they are the rats going to get the money and that's it that's the boiled down plot but that's not even Five percent of what the movie is. <laughs> no. Well, and that's the thing is that it's basically the thinnest. It's a, a structure. It's a loose structure, just like it's a mad, 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 mad world, which is what this is borrowing its rough plot from. Where it's just an excuse for gags, and yeah. that, and so the <coughs> the movie lives and dies on what it uses that thin premise to do. And this movie, it like really works overtime to do as little as possible with that premise. (laughs) Like, like the dumbest thing you think of that it could, that could happen is exactly what happens in any given situation. Well, they're just walking through this world. And then as a writer, you're just sitting there like, all right, what what are they going to run into? (laughs) We're running into like this low point. They got to, there's cows there. (laughs) Yeah. They're running to cows. That was the, the one thing, the last time we watched the movie before, you know, just watching it before recording is I said, I will say one thing for this movie. It is relentless. There is no downtime. There's no downtime. Every second there's a gag. Back to one thing that I wrote down is there's even like the one serious moment when they're kind of establishing Whoopi Goldberg's and who's the actress that plays her daughter. Like this meeting. This is a crucial point. They've never seen themselves, each other in their lives. And she's showing like her life. She's really stressful job environment and like having a serious conversation. And then it gets to the point where she crumbles her phone in her hand. Yeah. Like, it was. there's no point in crumbling the phone. It was just that we had to get some sort of laugh. Because if there's not a constant laugh in this movie, they feel well, like it's... Kyle, they were establishing <laughs> that she is an angry character. She is. <laughs> and that's the thing is, every rat in this movie, or character who is going for the money, is just a caricature. They have, like, no real character aspects, or, you know, they, they fit into a little box. Even that kind of gives them too much credit because uh, they do all that backstory and stuff in the beginning, and as soon as it becomes about the money, nothing that we know about them or has been set up ever matters. matters. It yeah. doesn't. It's not like oh, because we're mother and daughter, we get into this situation. Like okay, this is exactly how terrible this movie is. That as bad as it is, 
they have a mother and daughter who are getting in situations, and this movie makes lesbian jokes, but doesn't even use, like, mother and daughter. They don't put them in a situation where it's like, oh, are you a couple or something like that? It doesn't even work that hard to be stupid. Yeah. It's like, no, they're just two people. It might as well be two white guys for how the two <laughs> yeah. black women. But, and every character could just be, like, like a featureless mannequin for how relevant <laughs> it is. It's just, like, things happen to a body on the way to Silver City. And that's it. That's as complicated as Whoopi Goldberg nailed more, like, racial jokes yeah. in her blooper, the bloopers yeah. of this movie <laughs> than yeah. she did in the entire movie. Yeah. So, we should introduce all the, the people who are competing for the money. So, there's Whoopi Goldberg. She plays a woman wearing a clown outfit who's meeting her daughter for the first time. She's not really wearing a clown outfit, but... She's wearing, like, one of those clown collars. Yeah, they definitely the dressed her. Collars. They don't explain her aesthetic at all as no. a character. Besides her saying, like, oh, my psychic. Yeah. Uh, said we that, don't know yeah. anything about this woman. Yeah. Aside that she's a mother to a... To a, a workaholic. A workaholic. Yeah, That's all she, we know about this. And she this. gave up her daughter early in life. Yeah. So they, this was the first time they're meeting ever... And then, and they, oh, and that's the thing is, they decide to meet in a casino? Yeah, like, that's the the best place in the world to, like, yeah, like, where are you going to be this weekend? Oh, Vegas? I'm meeting my mother, who I've never (laughs) met before, in Las Vegas in a casino. Isn't that wonderful and touching? What? She's just telling everybody at work as she's leaving, I'm going to see my mom in a casino in Vegas (laughs) this weekend. Good, okay. And then there's the woman who plays her daughter, and I can't remember her name. She's... I don't know who she is. I was trying to figure that out this time. I forgot to look it up. Okay, well, so there's another woman who plays Whoopi Goldberg's daughter, and none of us know who she is. She is not famous. (laughs) I wonder if if they had somebody in mind, and the person was like, no, I'm not doing this movie. God, who could have been it? Who could have been Whoopi Goldberg's daughter? This is like the quintessential 90s all-star cast. But it was 2001. I know. Mm. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, we were so looking for people to save careers. That's it's like, they're all like, in a rat race. I wonder, I wonder if Anderson Cooper saw this show, and or not Anderson Cooper, if CBS saw the show, and that's why Amazing Race exists. The influence. The teams of people <laughs> fighting yeah, for actually, money. Yeah, you're probably right. Amazing Race probably is like Rat Race, the TV show. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have to do stupid stuff like yeah. eat weird things or... You know, fly in helicopter. It's like, it's basically, Amazing Race is like Rat Race if every bit of slapstick was, like, contractually obligated. <laughs> like, at, when you sign up to win the money, you're like, you will also do five silly things before you you're get this You're going to have to walk across goals, get lost in Bangladesh. Yeah, they actually have a requirement to show the movie Rat Race before. They're like, just That's, so you have an idea of how shitty... This is obstacle. Yeah, they're shitty how the obstacles are going to be. for today. Yeah. Just to get an idea. It's not going to be this crazy, but just keep it in mind that it's not going to be an easy race. You're not going to have to ride in a space car, but <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so there's the mother-daughter team. Then there's Jem Lovitz, who we've kind of already talked about. He brings his family to Las Vegas. His wife is Kathy Najimy, and then he's got two brat kids. <laughs> two garbage kids. It really <laughs> don't matter. Like, again, they, like, they could be just, like... They might as well be, uh um, Stump dolls. Like, the only function they really have is to, like, poop 
and <laughs> he the window. And although she had the daughter had the best joke in the movie. Look, I'm Mrs. Hitler with the glasses in the backseat. I'm Mrs. Hitler. That's the that's the bar for best joke in the movie right now. And they're setting it well, up. Well, and I I love the sun when the sun says, "I'm waking out back here." <laughs> it reminds me of when Alec Baldwin says, "You're blowing my mind." <laughs> Yeah, so, and then there is Cuba Gooding Jr. As uh, the world's worst referee. Uh, yes, also Academy Award winner. Academy <laughs> yeah, Award winner. And Cuba he, Gooding Jr. he's like a football referee who called the wrong coin side in a coin toss? He, yeah. like, flips a coin, and then everyone else apparently sees it, but he picks it up and was like, no, wait, and just somehow doesn't understand how it works, and then just starts, like, blowing a whistle at a bunch of people, and somehow that led to, like, the collapse of the entire football game. It was also, it was the one football game that year where they actually had a movie-quality crew there taping this incident for all to see. Yeah. And it just so happened to be the one time you you flipped up the coin flip. And everyone who bet on that game... Is who Cuba Gooding Jr. Run is, runs, runs into yeah. in the movie. And yeah, we kind of. I mean, I don't like sports that much, but do sports fans like know the referees even that well? <laughs> well, like, I guess. Well, they. That was the thing is they set up in the beginning of the movie that Cuba Gooding Jr. was the loser of the week on national. Oh, television. that was it. Yeah, and not yeah, I keep. I'm already. We just watched this movie, and I'm already. This is like two things I've completely forgotten about this movie. <laughs> also, when we talk about why Vegas. Why the fuck did this guy have to go to Vegas? Like, yeah. out of all the places that he could hide out at, yeah. he's going to go to the place where the set, the, the hub of gambling, <laughs> yeah. of like where people can be up, like have personal he's interest. He's like, I in really, this. I really, after this shitty week where I'm being called a loser on national television, because I blew a game. I really want to blend in, so I'm gonna go to Las Vegas. Yeah, uh huh. That's job. what he did. Yeah. So then we've got Breckenmeyer. Breckenmeyer is this stiff lawyer type from Chicago who doesn't break the rules. And that's basically his whole character. And then that character flies out the window as soon as he learns that he can win money. Yeah. I, up until today, always thought his name was Shorts. Because <laughs> he had his TV show. And I thought it was like like a Ray what? Romano situation. <laughs> where you just go based on your real name for that TV show. So... Oh. We learn things every day, but he's yeah. short. <laughs> he looks like a shorts too. I mean, he is short, right? Is that what the name of that show? He had a show. That was all he's done. I believe you guys. In life, my time shorts. But so, well, and I wonder also because Seth Green is also in this movie. Is this how Seth Green and Breck and Meyer became friends? Because mm. then Robot Chicken. Or was it another, like, teen movie? Because I can't remember. I think they might both be in Can't Hardly Wait. They are. That's right. Yeah, so maybe that's how they met. Yeah. Ugh. And he was in, wasn't he also in Clueless? He yes, was, he's in Clueless. Rolling with the homies. Rolling with the homies guy. <laughs> he's the, the stoner skateboarder who Brittany Murphy ends up falling in love with. He thought he was going to have a Sean Penn trajectory <laughs> playing that role. And then he just was like, you know what? I like this world. I'm staying in it. <laughs> yeah, well, he did for a while. I just looked this up. Brigham Meyer had his own TV show with Zach from Saved by the Bell, yeah. where they played lawyers. Shorts. Was that shorts? Yes, it is. Oh, oh yeah. We're talking Nailed about the it. same thing, but we never know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Zach, uh, Zach from Saved by the Bell. Same thing. He thought he had that Sean Penn thing going. Yep. Maybe a taller. Wait, are you talking about suits? 
No, no. Shorts? No, suits is a different show. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, and then there was also one Fred... Are we talking about Fred Savage, right, is the other character? Or no? I'm wrong with Fred that. Fred Savage? No. Did I just pull that out of left field? Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! But he had like... Grabbed another, it. I'm thinking like the work the work show. Oh my gosh. We're gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> We're not gonna. <laughs> Alright, who else? Who else okay, so yet? by the way, Breckenmeyer, his love interest in the movie is Amy Smart. But she's not technically a part of the game until Breckenmeyer needs a ride. So just side note. Okay, <laughs> then we've got Rowan Atkinson, aka Mr. Bean, aka Johnny English. Yep. AKA the sassy guy from Love Actually in the store who wraps the present. Yep. No? AKA oh, yeah. One Trip Pony. This yeah. is really what <laughs> He's like a 90s Buster Keaton. Yeah. I mean, he's. I've seen every Mr. Bean episode, so. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has like a soft spot in my heart. <laughs> yeah. But he's horrible in this movie. He is. He's an Italian narcoleptic. Italian narcoleptic. No. But it's like an interpretation of. Italy as like <laughs> retardation, basically. Yeah. Like it's so I mean like I feel like I'm allowed to take the racial pulpit for a second and say, as an Italian, it's like a very offensive portrayal yeah. of Italian people. <laughs> like there I there's not even like it's not even like offensive in that he's like just like a like a Goomba and his name is Mario and he is like his saying Enrico. Enrico. It's like it, it's offensive because it's it's like what we talked about with rules of engagement, where it's just like so indifferent to even trying to depict a country accurately. Yeah. And it's not like I need this to be the most accurate portrayal ever, but just like his Italianness is that he's stupid and he has like no idea what's going on and doesn't understand what a heart is and things like, like was... fundamental things that like a human being in any country should know. <laughs> like it's nothing to do. It just it's so. It's, it's such a baffling character. Everyone else is, everyone's terrible in this, but then he shows up and it just, like, plummets the scene to rock bottom. And he and Cuba Gooding Jr. are the only contestants who really compete alone. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have a teammate. So, we brought up Seth Green. Seth Green has a teammate, his brother, who, I don't even know what the actor's name is. I think it's Vince something. Yeah. But he, the, the brother... His characteristic is that he has a tongue piercing. That's it. Which, for God knows what reason, they needed to do that. Because for... it's hilarious, Kyle. Is it? <laughs> it just made the movie more difficult. There are times when it's like, it's one of two jokes in this movie where someone can't speak, and therefore it's funny. And they had to make sure, they got it in early. It could have been even something they threw in maybe in the middle that you see it actually happening, but they decided at the beginning of the movie... They were going to establish this character as basically these two characters that you got a Han Solo Chewbacca situation yeah. going on. Where <laughs> only fat, one fat person... Albert Mushmouth situation. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, what a good comparison. Yeah, and that's what it was. Like, we just, we, the, who did this movie? Zucker? Yeah, Jerry Zucker. Jerry Zucker's like, I really want Han Solo and Chewbacca in my movie. I love those two guys. They're, they're a hoot. He, he nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's everybody. I'm looking over my list. Yeah, that's everybody who competes. Yeah. And so, other characters in the movie, I mean, Kathy Bates, she's the other Academy Award winner. She shows up. She is a lady who lives in the desert and sells squirrels. Talk about that scene. You brought up a good point. What was so special about that scene? 
It's Kathy Bates and Whoopi Goldberg and the lady whose name we can't remember. And besides that lady who we can't remember, the other two are both Oscar winners. And we're watching three Oscar winners have a scene where one of the Oscar winners tries to sell another Oscar winner squirrels and then gives her directions to basically drive off a cliff into a pile of cars filled with skeletons. <laughs> Well, and you pointed out that you should never be alone with Kathy Bates. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like her, yeah. her weird typecasting is that if you cast Kathy Bates to be in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> she will kill you yeah. if you don't do what she says. Funny, something we need to talk about is all the characters had to have been picked based on previous roles that were just so insignificant parts. I wish I could have been in the pitch meetings with these actors where they were like, all right, Whoopi, we have this great character for yeah. you. And like, why did Whoopi Goldberg agree to do this movie? It's because really the director, <laughs> the Jerry Zucker directed oh, yeah. Ghost, and Ghost is what got her her Oscar. Yeah. I can't believe that the guy, yeah. the guy who directed Ghost, directed Rat Race. But directed the guy, Airplane, yeah, airplane also, yeah. yeah. What the hell? <laughs> He's all over the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. And he also, he directed Top Secret, which Top Secret is like the good version of this movie. Also Val Kilmer. Yeah. He's great. I mean, it's... The version of this movie and the way that it's just like comedic, comedic onslaught. But again, with Top Secret, Top Secret is just is nonsense. But the gags are all like borderline surrealist and how yeah. strange they are. Like like the gag where the it's like the point of view shot of binoculars and the cow walks over like the black border around and like <laughs> you're like what, what like jokes that like have no explanation and do not exist in reality at all. And this. It, and they try to do the same kind of jokes, but they they ground it too much. It, like, I asked a question at the beginning about the casino, how they get there, and you guys had, like, a very good point that, like, yeah, no, it makes sense that they could just randomly put them in casinos, everyone would be desperate. And the fir- that whole setup, which is useless, is very grounded. The characters, there's a little stupid stuff, but it's more or less, like, yeah. believable. And then as soon as the race starts, yeah, it's like uh, they throw everything away. Yeah. And just everyone's an idiot. And people are jumping into moving monorails and shit like that. <laughs> and just this, like, at no point, At no point do we resolve any of this conflict that we set yeah. up. We created a brand new conflict that's just absurdity. Yeah. Well, and all of the jokes are set up as realistic situations and then they pitch a joke that's not funny yeah like the one that i'm thinking of is at one point breckenmeyer and uh amy smart their car breaks down and they go to this mechanic in the middle of the desert and the mechanic is like we can't fix your radiator it's got a crack and she says well just mix uh sand and whatever together and we'll fix it and he wants them to pay $500, and, and they're saying, you're ripping us off, you know, you're going to get what's yours, and the space car drives past and destroys that guy's mechanic but shop. But before that happens... But like, how is, that, like, how is that funny? But, and again, but even before that happens, to like even ruin the joke more, because it's already a bad, obvious joke, yeah. but the guy was like, oh, it's bad, huh? Well, if God thinks it's bad, he'll strike me down. In fact... God, strike me down, make something happen. It just, like, keeps striking out. Where, like, And they even, like, sh- frame the shot where, like, his entire building is in the background. Yeah. And you're like, you, oh, God, I, you know for, like, 15 seconds exactly what the punchline is. And then the punchline happens exactly as you imagine it. And, and then they cut away. And they cut to uh, another joke that makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, let's even go back to the beginning. So, like, yeah. Yeah. the movie comes in, aside from the... Gotta amazing, talk about the credits. Yeah. The credits. It, like, within five seconds, I hated this movie. Like, yeah. the first time I saw it, I, that was, I, it just instantly, this, the song, which the theme song is written I'm and performed happy. by the Baja Men, uh, Who Let the Dogs Out fame, and that's, so, right there, uh, and then the credits are in this, like... Are you saying that you don't like Who Lets the Dogs Out? I'm on... Who Lets the Dogs Out? Yes, I said it. <laughs> Nietzsche's great book, Who Lets the Dogs Out. Uh, the life's existential question. <laughs> I ask you... Who lets the dogs out? <laughs> Who lets the letsmen out? Um, <laughs> Who's watching the dogs, man? But okay, so with Bahaman music, you have these like big yellow, Ooh, yeah, yeah. The Ooh, titles yeah, are these yeah. big yellow letters <laughs> over like a, a sky blue background, and every time the letters move or something on screen moves, there's like a boo or or like some sort of like those are pretty good cartoonish sound effects and so you get like by the time the movie starts like three minutes later you've heard like 120 <laughs> different cartoon sound effects and then as this is happening and they're putting the names of each actor on there's like this weird uh Kyle brought up Angela Anaconda which is like exactly yeah. what the oh you nailed it exactly, yeah, exactly yeah. that animation yeah. style of like these paper it was like photographs of these actors. It's the skinny body and the big head. Yeah, it's like carrot caricature. Yeah, it's yeah. like carnival caric caricatures mixed with Angela Anaconda style animation. Man, I love with that shit. With that like sound effects and then love is nothing, love is nothing but a fat rat race like just for Ooh, three yeah, minutes. Yeah. So yeah. by the time the movie starts all goodwill has been destroyed. You are already working against the movie. Here's some, here's some uh, facts via Wikipedia all of it doesn't really matter uh, to Bahamian, but they've been active since 1980. What? They've one song. I feel so bad for these guys. No they actually way. they were discovered after. How old are they? Huh? They well, since they're they're formed, they're in the 1980s. High Voltage was their was their band. They were disco funk, but this oh. group of guys have been together. Oh wow! And they're from they're from the Bahamas. They were they were like on the hotel. That's why they're called the Bahamas. The Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Kyle. Yeah, he's like, oh, we're from the Bahamas. We're men, Bahamas. Bahamas. That they light bulb just went off. Yeah, and they actually came out with something. <laughs> They released no. an album like two years ago, a Christmas album, Christmas medley. They did the Little Drummer Boy. Yeah, I bet it's great. <gasps> did they do like steel drums? I I hope they would put their Bahamut Bahamut <laughs> Bahamut little spin on that baby drums. Oh my gosh, we went there. I hope that Rat Race was a secret single success for them. Like they made some good money off of it. I'm sure yeah. they got couple thousand dollars for it. Just like, <laughs> no. they, but you know what? They didn't get the Sam Smith success where they got an Oscar nom. Yeah. Best song. This somehow was overlooked <laughs> at the 2002 Oscars. We better confirm that first before we <laughs> go. Yeah, you never know. know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were a contender and, and uh, God, I mean, what was 2002's best song of the year? I don't know. But I mean, fucking Crash got nominated for best original song, so <laughs> it can happen to anybody.
But the beginning of the movie... Uh, okay, well, we talked about the so credits. They, built, they do the credits. The first joke of the movie is Breckenmeyer going to pay his hotel bill. Oh, my gosh. And the, ho- the woman at the front <laughs> desk... sets the tone. Just like, is like... Oh, she's like, all right, and... Uh, we're going to alienate... Here we go. So we're going to come on here. We're going to alienate an entire race of people <laughs> because your money doesn't matter. We're going to go straight to... Uh, Seeing how you're well, into... it's just alienating everybody. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Well, okay, so he gets the receipt for his hotel room, and he's like, "Hey, what's this extra hundred and ten dollars?" And the woman's like, "Oh, you watched Afro Whores yeah. a bunch of times, and eleven was, times, eleven times." And she starts reading through all the times in which he read it, and the whole time this is happening, there's like a, a out of focus black family right behind him and it, they're clearly extras they never give them like a shot where it's like their reaction shots or they give more focus. reaction shots to the cow yeah <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah but they're just like there so you feel like vaguely uncomfortable about the scene <laughs> on top of the fact that it's just like a bad pointless scene it's not something that pays off it's just like all right, th- we're just like <laughs> we fall directly into the gutter and stay yeah. there <laughs> for the whole movie they were just like so worried about like getting people into the laps, they're like, We're, we just gotta hammer them early with, yeah. with things that we find Afro horse! Yeah, Afro horse, we love it! So the hotel clerk, she starts describing what the movie is about to yeah. Breckenmeyer, and she's like, Are you sure you didn't watch it? It's a sizzling three way with backdoor action, and it's like, what? Who thinks that's funny? Also, who like backdoor action is one of those things where it's like you want to reference anal, but you like are so afraid of sex that you have to like have a way of talking about porn, but not talking about porn. I mean, you're already you already use the word Afro whores, but you have to use backdoor as a metaphor because like <laughs> yeah. let's not get gross with this, guys. Let's keep it tactful. Do we know where these actually came from? Like, are we on? Shorts aside here that it wasn't him. Like, yeah, we don't know. Point. Well, like, we don't know if it was party. actually him. We don't know enough about him. Everything I've seen from this guy, he's, he's secretly a fucking creep. Yeah. So, like, that's a real thing that this character they has. They never established if he actually watched Afro Horse. Yeah. It could have been his they buddy. They just gloss over it. Yeah. Maybe the reason he left the bachelor party was because someone caught him uh, jerking it to Afro Horse. <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to get out of there. Well, and then the next scene is Cuba Gooding Jr. at the bar. <laughs> yeah. Where he's watching the news, and the news is like, we've got the loser of the week, and it's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, (laughs) and he asks for another drink, and he says, oh, miss, can I get another drink? And she turns around, and it's a woman with a short haircut. It's a woman that looks vaguely like Tignataro. Vaguely. Yeah. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were a woman. And she says, I am a woman. And then that's the end of the joke! That's it. That was, actually, I think the joke didn't hear it was so bad that like no one reacted to it and they just got past it yeah i think they actually were like well we should take it out like oh we need that moment didn't it feel a little like they were contractually obligated to do all the jokes even if they didn't work yeah yeah like like, like, they kept everything in the movie they were like i don't care if this is a terrible joke we need this movie to be at least 100 minutes long but this this is something we talked about too where there's so many times where they like Cuba Gooding Jr. will be, like, trapped somewhere, and then it'll cut to him, and he's riding a horse, and he's in, like, an outfit that we we don't know anything about, and so it seems like there's also a ton of stuff cut out of this movie, and so maybe that suggests to me that what we are seeing is the best two hours of the footage that was shot. It's it's sad. I mean, you can't really... (laughs) It's scary to think that that was the best two hours. 
Oof. Look at me, I'm Miss Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> it hits every time. You can't say that. A little girl saying that with glasses on will give me every time. Yeah. <laughs> she does the little pose too. Yeah. She puts her hand. Like I'm out. beyond. I'm Kyle, beyond. You're just, gonna have to teach your daughter that. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I'm like beyond just Hitler jokes. I want like I want Hitler's family involved in the joking. <laughs> Like Speaking of Hitler, okay. So, ba- so basically, all the setup that they do before they get the opportunity to participate in the race is irrelevant. Yeah, it's completely irrelevant. And then they start the race. So every character has the absolute craziest storyline that they possibly could have. But at least it starts rationally. Like they all go to the airport because yeah. they're like, okay, the fastest way for me to get to Silver City, New Mexico, is to fly there. And so they go to the airport, but then... Seth Seth Green and his dumb brother... Tongue piercing. They do an act well, of... Let's just call them tongue piercing. Those guys are assholes yeah. this whole movie. Yeah. Actually, a majority of things that go wrong are because of those two. Yeah. Towards the end, those... They didn't deserve to have a happy ending. No. They got their happy ending. They didn't deserve it at all. The one guy got a girlfriend out yeah. of this whole thing. This yeah. guy, he, he didn't even them, talk. One of the guys, they caused the old lady to trip down the stairs from yeah. a glass yeah. that somehow the group below them recognized the glass at the top of the <laughs> yeah, stairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, she's like, oh, I think there was a glass up there that she tripped on. And they're like, damn it, she would have worked. <laughs> They were the worst con artist oh. ever. And they also show the enti- the stunt woman's entire fall down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, so it takes like way too long. <laughs> they do so much of that. Yeah. The editor's like, we could take some time out of here. He's like, no, leave it. We need all of it. Yeah. This is all gold. Yeah, um, Jer- I feel like what Jerry Zucker didn't do in this movie was edit. That's what I'm saying. Is like, it seems like what we got was the best possible two hours of the footage Ooh. that was shot. But, um, Scary. we just, let's go through, yeah, let's go specifically through the Nazi joke because it's the, as Kyle, Kyle, you said, it's the, it is the quintessential joke of this. There's yeah. not one joke that matters more to this movie than this joke. Yeah. And like it, it or not, it is this movie. And there's <laughs> a vehicle for this joke. Yeah. And there's so many moving parts of this joke. No other joke has this yeah. much set up. Like, Hate it, like honestly, hate it. There, this is, this is, this is making a joke. There is structure. There is setup. There is like we are gonna make this thing work. Okay, so it starts. John Lovitz. John Lovitz. John Lovitz and his family are driving in a van. And Kathy and Jimmy. And there's a what? It's a Volkswagen. Well, also laid down that early in this movie, they've established that they're all Jewish. Okay, they're all Jewish. They're all. That's a Jewish family. Yeah. And in case anyone doesn't know who Kathy and Jimmy is, she is. Not Bette Midler and not Sarah Jessica Parker in Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. I, <laughs> for all you 90s movies, children's movies fans out there, which we are. She's so great. She's uh-huh. in so she many is. things. She's the really obscure highbrow option I'll give is you know her as the 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 woman who's looking for something Goldie Hawny, Chevy Chasey in uh, Fisher King, and Jeff Bridges <laughs> gives her the porno Ordinary Peepholes and tells her it's a big titty spread cheeky sort of thing. <laughs> so that's what I always associate her with. <coughs> and she's Peggy on uh, King of the Hill. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, so they are so on a road trip. They're driving. They're driving to Silver City, and what is it? They uh, they pass a Volkswagen, or yeah, no. they see no. A- they vo- they pass a Volkswagen on the road. And, yeah, and then one of the kids, I think, mentions how they would like that car. Yeah, and then he explains like this is German. It's a Hitler car. Yeah, it's a yeah. Hitler car. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, I have after that setup. 
there's a whole thing where the daughter poops on a cop car. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not really worth it. It's funnier to say than to watch. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where the kids bump heads. Yeah. And we get a dunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta hurt. John Lovett's like <laughs> trying to nail that. his one liner for the movie. <laughs> that's gotta hurt. <laughs> so after so after that happens, they're still driving, and they see a sign for the Barbie Museum, and um, it's even in the Barbie font. It's a Barbie font. It's just in the middle of the desert, and the little girl says she wants to go to the Barbie Museum, yeah. and John Lewis doesn't want to stop. He's like, "Oh, your brother wouldn't want to." And he, the brother is. That's when he says, "I'm wigging out back here. I'll stop <laughs> yeah. anywhere." Well, can we tangent for a second? Yeah. Do you think like if this existed, there was this Barbie Museum? That, like, they're trying to get children to, like, get their dads to go to this museum <laughs> yeah. based on the fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, is that something false, that it's... False marketing. False marketing to yeah. get the whole family involved. And Yeah, there's no explanation on the poster. It just says Barbie Museum. Yeah. And what we're talking they about, listener, doing. is the Klaus Barbie Museum, the Butcher of Lion from the World War II, uh, famous Nazi Klaus Barbie. Uh, he... Is that a real... He's a real guy. Okay. Yeah. There's an uh, Oscar-winning documentary about him, even. Oh. Um, but uh, he... They, that's the museum they go to. And somehow, again, this is one of those things where they, they see the sign, they pull off, uh, and then it cuts to they're in the museum. But as stated, Hitler's car is out front. So they had to park by Hitler's car. Oh, and so they saw all the Nazi signs outside. Yeah, it's not yeah. like it was like the Barbie Museum with Barbies outside. It's like... <laughs> It's and they walk in and they have to and presumably they paid admission. Yeah, yeah. So there's like all this. You stuff. know, when did it click in their heads that this isn't about the Barbies? Yeah, like I would picture like the minute it's not pink outside that this we're going. This isn't the real Barbie that yeah. we're thinking of. Well, as soon as you see all of the yeah. Nazi propaganda, was there like there's got to be at least one swatch. The fucking car was out there. <laughs> yeah, the car has flags. Yeah, with, with there's no way they got into there to see like that far into it yeah. but it cuts to them inside and there's like an mm-hmm. animatronic hitler saluting and there's just propaganda and all guns and everything and they're just standing there with jaws open as these two nazis like very placidly <laughs> recite uninteresting ne- you dialogue say yeah. neo-nazis, neo-nazis. it's just like they uh, besides the shock of the jewish family in the the nazi museum there are no jokes <laughs> They try no other jokes besides the incongruity of them being there. And that's it. They just, and that sh- it goes for a couple more minutes. They leave, but when they get outside, someone has stolen a part from their van. They, someone in this desert. Yeah, museum, I can't even who is remember. it? You know what it was? Those. It's the the mean guys. It's Seth Green and the other guy with it the Trump Yeah, it was. They see the car. They're like, "Oh, that's the minivan of the other team that we're competing against." So yet again, they left these people at uh, a neo-Nazi rally point. Yeah. yeah, like they were willing to put some people's lives into harm's way in order to do this. They do not deserve a happy ending. No. And if I'm going to take anything away from this movie, <laughs> is we need to make sure they, they don't. We need to rewrite this movie so they don't have a happy ending. Those kind of people don't need to succeed. Man, you're getting all heated up. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting heated. Those blue-collar crimes. <laughs> so they have to steal Hitler's yeah, car. Yeah, so the long story to steal Hitler's car. Um, which has the keys in it, I guess? Or just is... Just well, and that's the other a full thing. Take a gas. Yeah, and, and it's on a platform. It runs fine. Yeah. I just remembered the one thing you mentioned about their tank of gas. The, the car, the cop yeah. car. 
They siphon the gas. Yeah, sorry. Did, did I just tell you? Oh, yeah, you siphon, you, they siphon the gas from a, from a cop car. And then the cop car, obviously, when it takes off to try to capture the vehicle, the, vehicle, the like, sirens even run out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so funny. So, okay, so John Lovitz... Uh, they're driving Hitler's car, and the kids, this is when the kids are going through the backseat. The first, the son finds Hitler's harmonica and is playing it, and then the daughter finds uh, Ava Braun's sunglasses, and she's like, look, I'm Mrs. Hitler. And then yes. the mom finds, uh, uh, Kathleen and Jimmy finds Ava Braun's lipstick, which is like this dark red color. And it's almost like a purple It's like, color. yeah. The point, though, is that it's almost black. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, she's she opens it, and somehow John Lovitz gets some of it on his finger and he wipes it on the very top of the steering wheel. Um, hmm, where is this going? Yeah. So he some, uh, cuts uh, comes back a little bit later. Uh, John Lovitz He's messing with the lighter? Like so, a car in lighter? this World War II car that belonged to Hitler, there's one of those cigarette lighters where you push the little button in and you pull it out and it's this electric coil that's heated up. So he's playing with it. He's playing with it reason. and he burns his middle finger and so he puts his middle finger in his mouth and then extends only his middle finger just left of him and he looks and there's a biker. A female a biker. A female biker. And he's and they apologize and they try to be nice and he's like oh I like your dyke I mean bike and she uh. gets like ah and she like and they turn and there's just like hundreds of bikers behind the female bikers female bikers and they all start like like they have like chains and bars and they start like beating up Hitler's car um, somehow during this. They hit something, and the lighter, which has been set on the dashboard of the car, flies into John Lovitz's mouth, still hot, burns his tongue, because the bikers run him off the road, he drives... Through a wooden fence. Through a fence, into a building, right? Or is it... Oh, no, he drives up a what? stage. It's up, up under a stage. Uh, up a stage. Again, another time when they end up on a stage and randomly. Yeah, the stage is out there that you can run onto. So <laughs> many events going on. So, and, and so many so repeated events. jokes. So many yeah. like, but um, he he hits the brakes, they, or they stop because they hit the stage, his face hits the steering wheel, and the lipstick gets put on his upper lip, and the uh, wife is like, you gotta tell him what happened. You gotta say yeah, what's happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's and, go in front just, of the microphone and... And talk so, to these people. And so they do, he gets up and he, he gets out of Hitler's car and he has the Hitler mustache and he can't he, talk. He can't talk. So shit. he walks up and he's on a stage. He gets up to the podium and starts going like basically doing like the crudest like German impersonation. Like the equivalent of like like Uga Booga German. <laughs> basically yeah. like that like the lo- like the lowest caricature level of a German American accent. just think German sound like when you burn the bag of your throat. Yeah. That's what the German language is. And he's like, like doing us. this, and apparently he's trying to explain. I don't know what he thinks he's explaining, but he's like yeah. pounding on the podium as you, he's doing what this. What you haven't said is he's doing this and at a World War II veterans like, gathering. Yes, they have a bunch of old veterans in the audience. And one of the veterans uh, pulls a gun and starts shooting at them. Cut, end of scene. Never, we never know how exactly that resolves. Just cuts them later at a diner, and they have Hitler's car again, and they're just fine. And this movie, oh, they still have Hitler's car. Yeah, 
Because then the skinheads show up looking for the car, and that's why they have to get in the the semi truck. There's that, a lot of yeah. there's a lot of crimes that happen in this movie. Lots of crimes that you just get un, away with. Unpunished uh, crimes. Unpunished crimes. Oh, yeah. The one that's the biggest one for me, and Kyle, I know you can get behind me on this, is the two brothers, Seth Green and Tongue Piercing, yeah. where they destroy the radar that allows for the airport to function. Yep. <laughs> and then they just the they just get away. <laughs> they just escape with no yep, consequences. No they <laughs> they somehow tie a huge pickup truck to a radio tower at an airport, but they don't get caught. Yep. And then they have the shot from the actual control station at the airport looking yeah. over at seeing this car yeah. this truck hanging from the sonar the and then just being like oh those kids are in it again those cancel those get, flights cancel flights we can't do it we'll fix it don't do it again kids that's like that's it what is well now we got to talk about the whole amy smart thing oh yeah yeah the, okay you well, do that you well, one point before we get in here okay so all this effort that was put into that joke if yeah. they put a tenth of the time into the rest of this movie, we could have maybe, possibly, had a decent, funny movie. Uh, yeah. If they thought, like, through it. But they really thought through this joke. And it proves that they wanted... that. This is all they, this movie Yeah, was. how thought, many steps was it, they, Okay, so they thought of the end result. And to get to that end result, I'm going to try to count through. Okay. The initial introduction of the gag. The seeing of the sign. Finding out it's a Nazi museum. Uh, the part of the van being stolen. Them stealing the car, them finding the lipstick, John Lovitz wiping the lipstick on the steering wheel, John Lovitz burns his finger, John Lovitz flips off the biker. I don't think you have to read through the whole I'm just saying, again. like, that's how many things are required yeah. to get us to, to this end one point. Yeah. And so it's exactly what happened is, yeah, they thought of the ending and they're just like, they work their way up to How it. How can we get to this point where he is mimicking Hitler on a World War, World II, War II stage? stage yeah. Completely like, a, yeah. That's all this movie was, was a vehicle for that fucking piece of shit show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, because like very soon after that, uh, one, after that happens, there's like, what? about half an hour of the movie left after yeah. that. And that last half an hour is a dead zone. Like, this whole movie is bad, but they stop trying jokes at a certain yeah. point in the end. Well, because they all get to Silver City, and by then, they're like, oh, all we have to do now is just show them chasing after each other. We don't have to have, give them each their own story. <laughs> they're line. looking into the elements that they still have floating around, like the air balloon. Yeah. It's like, oh, we got that? That's still floating around. We should use that again. <laughs> Which, I told you guys during the movie, if... A hot air balloon didn't have anyone in it, it would just crash because nobody is operating the hot air that goes into the balloon. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, Amy Smart. I really, yeah, sure, you're right. I really liked her in this. Yeah. You know, I said this during uh, the butterfly, butterfly effect. effect, but I love Amy Smart. I think she's great. She elevates whatever piece of shit she's in because she only does pieces of shit movies. <laughs> yeah. Like when we watched. <laughs> <laughs> we watched recently Just Friends, that movie with Ryan Reynolds where he used to be fat. Yeah, that's right. And then he right. lost all the weight. And she's great in it, but yeah. that movie is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And there's a scene where Ryan Reynolds is fat and he, like, gets in a snow sled and, like, flies down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> and she's in Butterfly Effect. She was good on Justified. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, she she's only done crappy things. But she's good in this... And she plays a helicopter pilot. A female pilot? <laughs> yeah. 
when he was like blown away by it. Yeah. Pe- like he's he's supposed to be our like, our male heartthrob in this, but he's always saying little skeezy things. Like always. Yeah. Like, Is Brecken Meyer supposed to be the heartthrob? I get. If there had to you be just one, it's not, that, it's not like, John Lovitz. Well, that's It's true. not John Lovitz. Like dumb guys. It, I I mean, I would almost think it's Cuba Gooding Jr. And this is a Hollywood movie of the 2000s. It's definitely not a black man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel like they, they go on their way to, like, the movie is, like, personally cuckolding Cuba Gooding Jr. throughout this whole thing. They just, like, shame and humiliate him <laughs> so much. So much. They constantly just strip him of his clothes and uh, put him in these situations where he doesn't know how to do anything. And he's an idiot. On t- he's the loser of the week. It's just so, like, they just humiliated to such a degree and you're right even Seth Green and the, the asshole uh, brothers they get like this good happy ending where they yeah. like, get something and, and for the most they survive all these horrible things and they're always like happy and together and Cuba Gooding Jr. is alone alone nothing and shredded ass clothes everyone who recognizes and hates him on sight yeah. <laughs> he's still gotta go back to his shitty life after this yeah with no money nothing yeah he's yeah. the victim in this movie <laughs> Is he? I would say Kathy Bates is the The audience. The audience. The audience. Yeah, there you go. But let's talk about Amy Smart with the helicopter. Okay, so Amy Smart, she can still fly her helicopter even though the airport is shut down because she's not a fixed wing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So Breckenmeyer hitches a ride with her and she says, oh, by the way, on the way to Silver City, I want to go surprise my boyfriend. So she pilots, I almost said drives, <laughs> drives her helicopter uh, over to her boyfriend's house. Her boyfriend is none other than Lewis and Clark's Superman, Dean Kane. <laughs> My childhood crush. Dean <laughs> Star of God's Not Dead. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I totally forgot about that. Oh, Dean Kane. How Kane. far you've fallen. Uh... And Dean Kane is in a swimming pool with another woman, and when he sees the helicopter coming, he pushes the other woman under the, the water. water. I will admit that was the joke that made me laugh the first time I watched it. Like, yeah. Where are you gonna hide her yeah. into the clear substance? It's like, hey, honey, yeah. it's just me, it's just me in this pool. You know, you clearly see down in this pool, the clear liquid. And then Amy Smart aims the helicopter down at the pool, and the pool falls apart. Yeah, and. Then <laughs> she goes over to his car and starts throwing things. <laughs> it starts with the fire station. She throws, she grabs a, the fire station out of the helicopter, throws it. It somehow goes down in a way that bounces off the back window of the cab of the pickup truck, lands in the cab, and just starts spraying smoke and spinning, and it cuts the shot of, like, smoke rising out of the pickup truck. Then... What? It's like a... Crowbar. A crowbar. She has a, a wrench. Like, a half-life wrench <laughs> that she throws down. She throws a full bucket of paint. A full bucket of paint. Um, yeah, just like classic helicopter supplies. <laughs> just <laughs> one after another. Um, and then she chases him with the helicopter, and then she steals his car. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> they have a very... Her and Breckenmeyer's storyline is, like, very tame. I'm they have the most realistic... I mean, besides the helicopter. Because it was the romance story, and we had to, like, watch Uh, them two, like, getting to know each other. Yeah, because after they attacked Dean Cain, she kisses him. Yeah. 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 And then, sugar pie, honey bunch, that's why. (laughs) Also, I'm noticing, describing these, like, really elaborate joke setups, that they all 
peter out. There's no, like, punchline where you're like, and then it finally arrives at yeah. this. It's just like, no, just and then this happens, events. and then it just keeps going, and then it eventually keeps going to the point where you just, it just... It dis- dissolves in oblivion, and then the movie cuts to the next joke. So maybe instead of describing more and more of the events, we should talk about the broader issues of the film. So, like, let's talk about the directing. I had such a hard time paying attention to anything in this movie. Uh, like I said, I, I had trouble even remembering, like, things there, I, I mean, needed there... to remember. So with shot-wise, it's... It's bad, but I can't say that it, like, hit me in the same way that Man of the Year did, where it was, like, stunningly poor choices. It's more just, like, this is exactly how every bad Hollywood comedy is shot, where it's, like, you put the camera in the place that captures the most action, you cut to reaction shots, and this movie has a lot of animal reaction shots or uh, things like that. Um, I mean, I, there was some bad stuff, but none of it was, like, so bad where it was, like, more outrageous than just the inherent lowbrow quality of the movie. Like, yeah, the directing wasn't as bad as just what the movie was about. Wait, and, and like, I pointed out, um, when we were looking, we were watching the credits waiting for the blooper reel that never came, I, I noticed that the guys who do the special effects for The Walking Dead did the special effects for this, and thinking about that, actually, yeah, like, production design-wise... I mean, it makes no sense, but everything looks right. Everything yeah. looks the way they clearly wanted it to look. Um, it's mostly shot on roads, and so it, there's not much... The movie doesn't date itself as far as the technology goes. Yeah. And I think oh, there's yeah. the one scene with, like, Roland Atkinson jumping in between the trains. Yeah. <laughs> that was, like, <laughs> baffling. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, directing and the production and cinematography levels, it's not It's not great. It's, it's definitely bad, but it's not so bad. It's not special in its yeah. badness. I you guess. also just had... Let's say just choice of where to go. There's infinite possibilities because none of these stories were really linked at yeah. all together. They were all separate stories that you somehow had to kind of tell yeah. linearly. Yeah. And um, yeah, so like between cutting between each person, it just seemed like, oh yeah, this feels like the right time to go. To yeah. the, like there was really no way to do this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there's, the, there's, there's no... It's easy. It's an yeah. easy one and, to do. Yes. And after we watched it the first time, Paula, why did you want to do this one for the podcast? I honestly, like, when we were watching it the first time, I was kind of blown away by how poor the joke construction is. But uh, going through it now, I kind of... It was, it was maybe, like, two... Herculean tests to kind yeah. of like really get into. So uh, this might not be an ideal thing to cover, but yeah, it well, was just. So we talk about like, well, before you even saw yeah. it, and then I saw that when we were picking out movies, and yeah. I see this on the yeah, list. Yeah, because you picked this guy. I yeah, I saw this as again. I haven't seen this since I was a kid, but I recently just saw dot 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 Mad World. Yeah, um, <laughs> and like. There's obviously lots of problems with that movie, but it's of the times. It's yeah. what from what's the year on that? Do we know? Sixty three. So sixty three. Yeah. This is nineteen sixties America, Hollywood America. It's going to have problems, but it had a lot of economic and social disparity questions that it was kind of opposed. Like it really yeah. had a lot of social issues that it was dealing with. And, I mean, at least it was trying. Yeah, it doesn't nail, it doesn't do a great job, but it's at least there. Carrie, can you find that quote that you found during oh, the movie? Oh, sure. You track yeah. that down? So, uh, well, wouldn't you, yeah. then you would assume that if they're going to adapt this movie for a modern audience, they were, they were going to take some of the main comedic elements of like, okay, we've got this, we have this 
elitist group of people that are that are proving that like what we can yeah. do the the game we can play with humans yeah and like it's a it's so ripe for a capitalism metaphor metaphor and like, that's and i'm pretty sure that's what they were going for in the old and that's yeah. 1960s america so it's like early this is before this is before the civil rights movement yeah but, but like leading up into it well, and that's the thing with Rat Race, too, is it makes it even more explicit, because in Dot 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 Mad World, they, the reason they're going after the money, it's basically, it's truly just a random coincidence. They're in this place where yeah. this car accident happens, they find out the guy was, just got out of prison, and this money that he buried, he was going to get it, and he tells them about it, so they're like, oh, we should get it, and so... It's, they're going for the money, the capitalism stuff comes up, but it's not as inherent in the no, setup. No, it's, Rat Race has it be specifically a scenario concocted yeah. for these rich men to mock these desperate people. Exactly. And so it's like going closer to that and so much less with it than the old movie does. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, did you find that quote? Yeah. And it's a conversation between Milton Berle and Terry Thomas's characters. From the original, from Dot 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 Mad World. And uh, Milton Berle says, wait a minute, are you knocking this country? Are you saying something against America? And Terry Thomas says, against it? I should be positively astounded to hear of anything that could be said for it. Why, the whole bloody place is the most unspeakable matriarchy in the whole history of civilization. Look at yourself and the way your wife and her strumpet of a mother push you through the hoop. As far as I can see, American men have been totally emasculated. They're like slaves. They die like flies from coronary thrombosis while their women sit under hair dryers eating chocolates and arranging for every second Tuesday to be some sort of Mother's Day. Like, yeah, what like, <laughs> it's and just to think of where we are, like you see a lot of comedies. Ever, it's almost getting exhausting how many people will try to add that type of element into yeah. their films. And it's like this still existed in a world like nine nine 1990s. I know this is this is like right before nine eleven. This yeah. you said August it came, came yeah, out. Yeah, it came out in August two thousand one or two thousand one. Sorry, yeah. so a month before yeah. September eleventh. Yeah, so like a month. But it's like this. I we were in this period where no one gave a fuck about anything yeah <laughs> yeah like really we're just getting the internet we don't have that kind of internet push to us like we see well and it was post clinton so opening. everybody's like the economy's great everything's yeah. going good the only bad thing is george w yeah uh, <laughs> and also it was post y2k so everybody was like we survived yeah the we're, in a, we're in it for another 10 years it's, good. Yeah. it's gonna be great <laughs> yeah so people really didn't give a shit and then this movie comes out. And, I, I mean, I think this movie, I wouldn't say it's a secret to our generation, but I don't know a whole lot of people who have seen this movie unless they saw it when they were younger. Really? Yeah. It, it's not a quotable. Like, we have movies in our life that are quotable. Yeah, it's definitely not quotable. Prairie dogging, though. I will say that this movie taught me what prairie dogging was. Yeah. And I, to this day, will reference my Are you referencing fecal, prairie dogging? My fecal movement of... <laughs> Pre-fecal movement, uh, I will describe as prairie dogging. <laughs> Pre-fecal movement? <laughs> well, I haven't made it yet, right? I, ha yep, so I haven't made the BM yet, so my pre-BM, pre-BMs, yeah, I just this want, like, it's a prairie dog, not a meerkat. Yeah. So I can kind of bow myself out of the conversation it's and be like, like Bahamas, excuse me, but excuse sir me. And, and lady. 
I must. I am prairie dogging right now. <laughs> I and they know what you're talking about. They're like, oh, we must have we seen that rat race. race. <laughs> Everyone gets it. Everyone gets it. Oh, yes, Kyle. We know exactly what you're talking about. But there about. are still those moments in life where you have to explain it just like the little girl had to explain the joke where it's like, you know when the prairie dog's coming out of the, the hole and they pick their hot out? It's kind of like that. That's what's happening to my ass right now. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what the little girl said. Yeah, that's something. I mean, I that's so rough. <laughs> a rough quotable. Uh, yeah. A rough quotable. <laughs> and a premium. <laughs> premium sounds like an ATM you go to. <laughs> premium. <laughs> it's like a premium ATM that has like luxurious things. A premium. Well. That, I bet in five years that will be the title of some startup. Yeah, premium. <laughs> Once the term bowel movement has become obsolete. <laughs> well, so soon we're not going to poop, we're just going to... You're going to take a pill and take care of that. Yeah, we use vape poo rice. Is that the toilet bowl one? No. It's from Envy. It's the stuff that Jack Black invents that you spray Oh, on yeah, that's you right. On yeah. Envy. That's another 9-11. That's uh, actually post-9-11. Post-9-11, but it, it was slated to come out around the time, and they pushed it. They, like, really That, and what yeah. was the other one? I uh, Ben Stiller had two movies that were... Is it Duplex? Duplex. Yeah. Man. Why duplex? Well, just just those were just, it's just no, all movies. Everyone just put a halt on like release uh, stuff. Yeah, because they're like no one wants to laugh anymore. Though Zoolander did come out right around that time. People, Juliana, can we be funny? Or, yeah, <laughs> are we allowed to be funny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that Amy Poehler on SNL? Is that? Who I don't remember who. I think it was uh, Lauren Michaels came out. And oh, that's... it was like him and Giuliani were standing there. <laughs> Really changed the American I don't know how we became race. a 9-11 discussion, but I guess any movie in this era has to be. Well, yeah. It's like pretty much anything that came out within the millennia before uh, 9-11. It's yeah. like automatically wrote I mean, all, discussion I mean, of it. You can look at all of these 90 comedies and just the, the joke telling is so different and harm, like harmful, like pain. Like yeah. Just, I mean, you, people will be abused purely for entertainment. Yeah. There's no second guessing to it. It's And that's... That's really something that went away after. It's like the big thing with um, superhero movies now, where it's like when superheroes destroy buildings, you, you know, it's like you, people think about the people who died in them. But yeah. in the 90s, you have Independence Day, where like <laughs> an entire city is just eviscerated by fire yeah. and lasers, and no one cares. It's just like part of the fun of the plot is that people died. <laughs> that's like, it was just stakes. Uh, <laughs> that's why, like, yeah, like we said... Uh, Carrie pointed out with the whole thing with the dumb brothers at the airport. Like, that essentially is like a life sentence nowadays if someone oh, did man. something like that. that yeah. no, I mean, that would probably, you you would go to jail for terrorism. Regardless yeah. of what the act was for, they would consider it like something against the nation. Yeah. Like, this is. And then we would fucking have to suffer for it every time yeah. you go to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> you like, make sure when you park your car, you lock the wheels <laughs> so that no one can take your car and drive it onto the airfield and tie a rope from your car <laughs> to a satellite. <laughs> hey, what's, what's the lesson of this movie? Uh. Would you say it's life is like a rat race it's anything it's like nihilism because yeah. there's no point to anything that happens in the movie because no one gets the money all of their effort is for nothing oh we gotta talk about how they don't get the money yeah okay 
Yeah, we can talk about Smash Mouth. Do we have to? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Smash Mouth is relevant. Yeah. They're still they're still touring and like out there. They figured out how to make a career for themselves. Yeah. And I feel like they did a better job than someone like Nickelback. Smash Mouth is like the Guy Fieri of music. Yeah. Right? Where it's like <laughs> it's like everybody hates them, but there's just they have so much momentum at this yeah. point that they will they'll be around forever. But man, who does Smash Mouth tour with? Train? I don't know. That's another question. Third Eye Blind? Fastball. Fastball. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know who Smash Mouth... Smash Mouth, I bet, tours with Bare Naked Ladies. Actually, that's pretty dead on. Aren't they both Canadian? Canadian husky guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, the ending. Um, okay, Smash so Mouth. So, in the film's second scene in which a car drives to a stage, um... How would how did everybody you get gets, all on the bus? Everybody gets to Silver City, and when they get to Silver City, this the hooker steals the money, and so they're chasing, the hooker and Dave Thomas. Yeah, Dave, Dave Thomas, Thomas, not Wendy's yeah. guy. And why? Come on, villainize this guy. He's like making probably like thirty thousand dollars a year to be this guy's bitch, <laughs> and we're gonna villainize this guy. Yeah, you're really sticking up for those working men. Yeah, I love it, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, so. Dave Thomas and the hooker escape with the money, and they start chasing them in the bus for the money. But then the hot air balloon comes back. The money somehow gets attached to the hot air balloon, and the money floats away. And so they're on the bus to chase the hot oh, air balloon. Oh, that was it. And real, okay, really quickly, too, before we get to the stage, about that hooker. Um, does the hooker first meet Dave Thomas for that bet? Yes. Where, yeah. Okay, so... Somewhere between them and her teaming up with them to steal the money, they, like, what if fell in love? love? What if they turn this movie into the whole Ocean's Eleven style, like, yeah. how these two are working the system the whole time, and they go through the whole process? Well, and that, like, this whole time, I was the one that made you call this prostitute in order to well, do this bet. I organized the World War II veterans meeting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the thing, too, is the whole movie takes place in less than a day. So if the prostitute and Dave Tam Thomas fell in love, it was like a few hours earlier. Yeah, it would have. It's, it's like a window of like forty five minutes <laughs> in which they like meet, fall in love, yeah. hatch a plan to steal two million dollars, and then fail. There's a lot of love at first sight in this movie. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Of at it. least three instances. Three instances. <laughs> yep. Man, yeah, okay, again, yeah, every joke is repeated. Even in, like, in, they couldn't fill this movie with two hours worth of jokes. Um, and real, okay, and sorry again to distract from the stage thing, but the writer of this movie is the guy who created Monk, and he wrote for David Letterman, and he wrote Sergeant Bilko, and I don't necessarily think that any of those things prove that he's a good writer, but yeah. he has enough of a career where he should turn out something better than this. Yeah. Like, he should have, like... I don't know. I never understand how, like, people who write TV oh, write such shitty movies. I don't think I mentioned this, but High the budget. guy, yeah, Jerry Zucker, who directed this, this is the last movie he directed. Yeah. Is it <laughs> he really? He got put in director jail, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. They were like, we're not going to give you a lot of That's money. a tough movie. I mean, a man, the star power that he was well, getting, yeah, the budget. Well, yeah, this is a $48 million 48 budget. Million, so $48 million for In 2001, comedy. yeah. And, yeah, and I can imagine that's a make that or break. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what did did this make its budget back? Yeah, it made fifty six million. Yeah, so not as well, and not as much money as they probably hoped. So exactly why you got it. Also, it another trivia piece I found out is that Rowan Atkinson's character was originally supposed to be a Chinese diplomat, 
So they were gonna. They were be, like, it was little racist. racist. Yeah, they were like, oh, we're we're gonna be racist towards someone. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll just make it Italian. Yeah. He's like, you're British. Let's do like uh, I don't know, like the blackface version of British Empire. <laughs> and, yeah. Of that whole area. <laughs> who I I wonder who they would have cast if it had been a Chinese diplomat. Oh, well, so they were thinking about was... casting a different person. Yeah, that, so that character. Wasn't even supposed I don't to be think in so. It. Yeah. I oh, okay. Well, that's. Yeah, I was gonna say like. I thought little... you mean like they were gonna put him. No, no. The character was originally supposed to be a. That would have been. Man. That would have been insane. Yeah. Yeah. But I, at the same time, you're saying it, it's like I hundred percent believe the idea that they would have cast in the '90s. They would have cast Rowan Atkinson as a Chinese man. Yeah. yeah. Like that's that's not unbelievable. I don't think he, I don't think he has the ability to do anyone other than his version of himself. Yeah. Though. It would be, yeah, I, I, I'm not even going to imitate what his impression would be. <laughs> no. It would be so racist Nothing. to even, like, guess. Uh, but, okay, so the stage, they're all on the bus. Um, they, they finally, the hot air balloon stops moving, because I'm assuming it got stuck on the Smash Mouth stage. Yeah. And they get off the bus, and they go and grab the... the and, and so they get off the bus... And the, the bus crashes through a curtain, and they're in just like this dark space. It's silent and dark, and there is a bag, a hang, the duffel bag of money is hanging down. Yeah, it's but, completely dark and totally silent, and they go and they start grabbing the money, and as soon as they start grabbing the money, floodlights go on, and there's thousands of people out in an audience, and they're on a stage. And Smash Mouth is like instantly playing music as soon as the lights come on, and not like, hey, we're Smash Mouth, what's, what's going on? It's like... Yeah, it's on. This was always supposed to happen. Yeah. It like I, we just Carrie and I just watched the game last night, the Day Adventure movie, and it feels exactly like the end of the game when uh, massive spoilers for the game. Kyle, you've seen the game, right? I haven't. <gasps> you haven't. No. You can't spoil it. Never mind then. Uh, oh my gosh, it's for, one of my favorite. For movies. people oh, really? who have seen the game, um, it's 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 that same sort of weird thing where it's like, how exactly did we get to this point? And the game, it's a good thing, but yeah, <laughs> the, game, yeah, yeah. the comparison of between this and the game is really insulting to the game. Yeah, it's just well, it's just like <laughs> Rat Race's version is like the shittiest possible version of that same yeah actually thing. speaking of sean penn the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um so they the the lights come on the concert's happening and it's this benefit concert for something called feed the earth and through a series of misunderstandings they basically it ever give the two million dollars to the feed the earth yeah they, but i got a question so feed the earth is that a conservation organization or a hunger organization or a child homelessness organization. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> ambiguous. Because there's those little kids that come out and they're like, thank you so much for getting me this money. Yeah, now they all have $12 million to feed those six you're, kids. You're like the 12 disciples. <laughs> well, okay, I guess, I guess really, if we're going to really break down the key problem with this movie, it's that every single thing in this movie is a deus ex machina. Unless yeah. it's, like, overtly, painfully set up, it is a deus ex machina. They walk into the scene, and a random thing is introduced, and they interact with that random thing, and something crazy happens, and then they go to another place where another totally random thing, like the jet car, yeah. or the Smash Mouth concert, all of it is yeah. just, like, a random element, where they just, like, they did not bother to develop characters, so they yeah. can't rely on that. They have no plot lines, no. they can't rely on that, so they just have to keep 
introducing <laughs> bullshit to up like and they, they have to keep upping themselves because they can't be like they can't have like equal level like, it has to always escalate that's how long is this like, movie again it's just shy of two hours okay so two hours so 150 minutes of this movie i had no idea that smash mouth was gonna ha- take place in this, <laughs> be in this movie like that could have been that's something you can say yeah and it's so crazy that that's how you're gonna end this movie and it really yeah get over here now oh uh, yeah it really going away from the microphone you can move the chair if you want it really, yeah, it does, like, once Smash Mouth comes out, and Carrie pointed this out, it really, just the movie, there's no it more... It gives up. There's no more jokes. Everything that is essential that happens in the scene is essentially, like, a given as soon as the scene starts. And it just slowly peters out. The the They play All-Star. Everyone in the cast stage dives uh, into the audience. A bunch of people... The end. Yeah, the end. We, we spend so much time giving each of these characters that same moment that the previous character has been given. Yeah. And we just gotta make sure that everyone gets equal playing time. Everyone gets a stage dive. Yeah. Uh, we get to see everybody put their money in the sack for yeah. Feed the Earth. No one learns anything. A couple people get girlfriends. Uh, most, like, John <laughs> yeah, Lovitz, did you see John that? Lovitz is getting a divorce after this because he drugged his family. <laughs> yeah, I uh, hope so. Did you see that, like, Cuba Gooding Jr. and the daughter, uh, the Whoopi Goldberg daughter, they have a romantic moment at the end of the movie? I missed that. Because yeah. like, they're black. They gotta... Yeah. Oh, yeah, the grab hands and skydive. Or stage yeah. dive, rather. Yep. Oh, that's it? Okay, yeah. Well, you just, yeah. They... <laughs> It's just weird about it's it. It's just yet. a piece of shit movie. Smash Mouth <laughs> does not eat any eggs at the end of the movie. It's they waste every opportunity to do anything good. Well, okay, I want to. Can I skip ahead to my teachable moment? Are we there? No, or, well, we got to be done. If we're, oh, <laughs> you can't just okay. do a teachable moment. Does it, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Is there anything redeemable from this movie? Is there any reason someone should watch this movie? No. Huh? Well, no. only if it's for nostalgia purposes, because you saw it when it came out, and for you know you're like us, they get it only as yeah. a gag movie. Yeah, if someone told me this was their favorite movie, I don't know what I would think of that person. Yeah. I don't think they don't like movies. It'd be like yeah. a person who like only likes cars, and then like every once in a while, like their their aunt made them go to a movie with them one time, and they usually don't watch movies, but this movie about these people for their money, it was pretty funny. I like watching that cow get dragged by the hot air balloon or whatever. Yeah. It's like, so that's that's it. It's basically like, it's that you could, if you liked movies, you couldn't like this movie. <laughs> that's the, you yeah. know, there's too much wrong with it. Um, but I bet that like Amy Smart is getting her royalty check from this movie every month. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, well, actually, wait, I'm saying I'm sure. What do they play this on TV all the time? No, but we watched it on uh, streaming. We, but uh, through a service that we didn't pay for. That's true. <laughs> true. Yeah, it was a free service. We did not pirate this movie. We We're legally re- for free watched <laughs> Rat Race, and we had to watch plenty of commercials yeah. to pay for our sins of watching this movie. Yep. Yeah. Guys, everyone, Lowe's is having a sale. This podcast is brought to you by Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other one that we want the, the sexy the sexy book or the sexy uh, well, business cards. Moo dot com. Moo. Okay, so we're which goes with the cows in the movie. Yeah, that was strategic. I didn't even think about strategic it. Strategic advertising. All right, so we're out of stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. Okay, <laughs> so let's yeah. Then if you're if you got your teachable moment, Carrie, teach away. I want to talk about. Medley casts. 
Yeah. Ensemble. Ensemble cast. Thank you, Paolo. Talking about how this movie is a tribute to the great Robert Altman. (laughs) No, but I am going to talk about Robert Robert Altman. Okay, so this movie, I feel that this movie was marketed, and you bringing up Valentine's Day was a perfect comparison. Because nowadays, the way movies get marketed to us, it isn't what the movie is about. It's Star power. who is in the movie. And it yeah. was just what we were talking about Decades yesterday with movies. the branding. Like, who's in the movie? How can we pitch this movie? What is the brand of this movie? Mm-hmm. And nowadays, it's, it's all about, okay, Julie Roberts is in this movie. So anyone who loves Julie Roberts will see this movie. And that fucking Mother's Day movie just came out. Did anyone go see that piece of shit? I mean, there were a ton of big names in it. But again, it's an ensemble cast, and it was sold to people not like, oh, this is a lovely movie about what it means to be a mother and how important motherhood is in everyone's lives. No, it was like, come watch Julia Roberts and Jason Sudeikis and who the hell else was in it? I didn't even remember. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis. I know. Why hasn't he been given? He's on Last Man on Earth. Oh, he is? Yeah. Season two, yeah. You'll, another reason. Yeah. Yeah. You would yeah. Watch on. it. It's so good. But anyway, there's a way to do the ensemble movie that's not shitty. And one of the perfect examples, Paolo, is Robert Altman. Yeah. And even, like, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. They they somehow find a way to not make it about the star power and, and what the movie is about. And maybe this complaint that I have, or, like, teachable moment is more about the studio than the, the movie maker or the filmmaker or the cast but i wish that there were movies coming out now that it's not about who's in the movie it's about what the movie is trying to do as an art form like mm-hmm. now you can't have a trailer where they don't list at the end this person's in it and this person's in it and this person's in it and this person's in it it's like i Okay, I mean, I like those people, but am I going to go see that movie just because all those people are in it? Mm-hmm. It's like a Wes Anderson movie. Like, am I going to go see it just because Jeff Goldblum is in it? No, probably not. I either like Wes Anderson yeah. or I don't. You're excited to see Jeff Goldblum in a Wes Anderson movie. Yes! Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, oh, Jeff Goldblum is in Mother's Day, so I definitely want to go see Mother's Day. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum's in that movie... With Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston, where Jason Bateman like accidentally trades, uh, like gives his semen to Jennifer Aniston on accident. Oh yeah, and she ha- gives birth to a kid. That's Isn't that called like the switch up the, or something? The switch, yeah. The He's switch. in that movie, and that movie is easily one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> he did not help it. It's yeah, it the yeah. Well, anyway, so my larger point is this movie, Rat Race. I feel that it was pitched as, like, come see Whoopi Goldberg and Seth Green and Cuba Gooding Jr. and Rowan Atkinson in this hilarious comedy. Whereas, you know, it's not hilarious and Mm -hmm. it's barely a comedy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I made my point. No, that's a good final thought. Yeah, the, the issue of ensemble comedies is, like, pretty clear well yeah yeah. and actually i think this same year that this came out love actually came out and love actually no love actually is after 9-11 because they have that whole thing of people at the airport it's like oh yeah love actually is Is all all around around. and love actually is not a perfect movie either but it does have an ensemble way fucking better than this movie. yes way better than rat race and 
And it has a lot more star power, but mm. it somehow, I mean, it, it like manages it. It doesn't make it about the star power. Also, another ensemble comedy with someone from Walking Dead involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Useless point. And Rowling Atkinson. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right, Kyle, what's your teachable um, moment? My teachable moment is we're going to build a joke up and, <laughs> and make an entire movie based around that said joke. Let's do that. But let's subtract the Hitler. <laughs> We've seen it. We know it. We get it. Let's move on to Hitler's wife. That's where the comedy's at. That's all I got. That's it. <laughs> Instead of it's... Hitler's glasses, it should be Ava Braun's toothbrush. Yeah. You can, there's, there's endless possibilities yeah. when we're the family. No one knows the family. She, it's, it's all brand new. Un... She's an untapped market. It's an untapped market. Yeah, I think the only, like, I, there's no fresh Nazi joke, but I guess the closest we have to a fresh Nazi joke is, like, South American Nazis. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, like, still vaguely... Oh, and they exist. The yeah. Nazis that just kind of exist also that have, like, disbanded. Yeah. From <laughs> when, I, when I was in Paraguay this past winter, I was in a small town in the middle of nowhere. I had to take a six-hour bus on a dirt road to get there. And there was a German high school in that town of, like, uh, maybe a thousand people. Maybe. <laughs> and the person that I was staying with, I was like, why is there a German high school? And she was like, oh, yeah, well, all the Nazis came to Paraguay after <laughs> after World War II. And, and you know, they even have a, a history museum in the town. Uh -huh. And she told me that she went there with her high school students, and they were all joking that Hitler was buried under the the history museum. We, so, know, we don't know. No one so knows. yeah, it is an untapped market. Kinda. <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to contribute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did a great job. What about you, Paula? Alright, well, since I don't have the history you guys have with this movie, um, like when, I, when we watched it a couple weeks ago, I was like blown away by how terrible it was. But when we, when we did Man of the Year, I watched Man of the Year one more time than I watched this. And Man of the Year is loathsome and awful and takes forever. But I infinitely would rather watch Man of the Year again than ever see this movie again. You're not a slapstick guy. I'm, well, I'm not a slapstick, but I like, I mean, this is yeah. the most pretentious answer we also to the question. I him. love Buster Keaton and Jacques Tati and yeah. Charlie Chaplin, like classic slapstick. And that's like... Really old, like 1920s slapstick is slapstick for everybody. Well, yeah, it's we like, just watched Seven Chances and, some, and we were dying laughing. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. It's, it's so good, and it's I I can like slapstick. I, that's Preston Sturgis is like really good at doing like screwball with slapstick. Yeah, and there's a place for it. I think it. I well, don't. We've evolved past it. Yeah, is another we, thing is like we've part. honestly we operate at such a high caliber of comedy now, especially yeah. with how the intelligence level that we give to our audience, like, it's hard to still incorporate slapstick into yeah. it. So yeah, because you can go on the internet and now and watch any fool, like, run into uh, yeah. a tree. And if you watch a movie, it's like, I don't want to watch it's... someone run into a tree. I can watch that on YouTube. Well, I but mean, also, there's also modern the, times is the like issue that last... of empathy, too, is just, yeah. like, with old, yeah. with old slapstick, you it's harder to imagine yourself 
in those situations. And it's funny because it's like, oh, that guy got kicked in the butt. Or, oh, that thing fell on that guy's head. Mm -hmm. And I remember... You guys should remember this. When we watched Baby's Day Out a couple oh, yeah. years ago, and Baby's Day Out is like slapstick to like the most psychopathic level, where like yeah. every joke you're like, that guy is dead for sure if yeah. this happened in real life, and it just like one after another, and it it's funny only because it's like mind blowingly dark that you <laughs> watch people be tortured this way just for comedy. It's yeah. kind of the Money Pit is also. Money Pit. Yeah. I mean. Home Alone. I mean, obviously, Baby's Day Out was trying to capitalize on Home yeah, Alone. Home Alone, success. yeah. Well, again, and tying that like, idea of like people getting hurt is funny to children, and yeah. like, like very much like these are movies that children are supposed to watch, where you la watch people like get pushed off a skyscraper yeah. and fall twenty stories and like land in uh, like a land on a bucket or something. And it's like you're you're just encouraged to like think that's funny. Uh, but okay, uh, the main thing I just wanted to get to is. Man of the Year is, for me, it's a better movie than this, if only because as unbelievably awful as Man of the Year is, there is that little bit of misguided effort that at the, when they first started making Man of the Year, they thought they had a great idea. They thought they were saying something about politics. They thought they were saying something about America. They thought they were saying something about comedy. And they managed to not, they managed to fuck up all those things. But there was at least a point where they wanted to do something useful. And, and so Rat Race is not, has, serves no function for me. There's no thing yeah. you get yeah. out of it. I don't find it funny. And it's not structurally interesting. And it's, and it's making no larger point. And it doesn't have, it's not, and, and like we said, it's made well enough. So it's not interesting. And like, look at these weird choices. It doesn't have that, like the room or bird Demic quality where you can laugh at the amateurishness because it's not amateur. It's very professionally made worthless garbage. And yeah. so it's like the lowest for me, like, the only thing things that are worse than this is stuff like Upside Down or... Uh, oh, Upside Down. <laughs> or Da Hip Hop Witch or <laughs> something like that where it's, like, no, movies right. that have no content and no ability. And you're talking $48 million. Yeah. $48 million dollars that was put into this movie that no one's ever going to remember aside from us doing this. Or... That, a movie that, if you watched it on a plane, you would want the plane to crash. Like, the movie that is just... <laughs> Just torture, and I. If you have kids, yeah, I like. But I understand kids are watching. Yeah, but like, and kids watch PG thirteen stuff all the time. This isn't really like the type of thing that I would be horrified if my kid is watching. But I would want my kid to be smarter. <laughs> I don't want my kid to like, like. I'd be like, cool, you watch. I'm glad you had a good time. If you like that, I got these movies to show you. And like, I mean, again, like, why would a kid watch this? If they knew they could watch like Ghostbusters yeah. or uh, well, and that's something. the thing is yeah. that's, even so is I mean there's going to always be those appreciation. This is what makes a good film, is, yeah. especially for someone that can not appeal to that. When I'm talking mass audience, that yeah. also can get a kid to like this movie. Yeah, is make those elements that are slapsticky for them, but also adding in. I mean, the best one I've seen, Lego Movie, did that very well. Yeah, Lego like, Movie's a perfect example. Perfect example of, like, something is like, you can watch that movie at every age, and yeah. you're going to get something different from that. Yeah. I would have loved to be able to see that movie at 10 years old. Oh, yeah. 25 and watch it again. And I like, feel like, the, for the right kid, the Lego Movie is, like, equivalent to, like, 
the right kids seen Star Wars, where it's just so, it's so for you, and it's so immersive, and it doesn't talk down to you, but it it understands there are tears of humor. Yep. There's not just like, we're not going to hit the slapstick button for two straight hours. Oh, and we just watched Princess Bride. And Princess Bride, too. Oh, right? yeah, that's another one. Yeah. I remember seeing as a kid, complete different movie, and I watched it three or four yeah. years ago. And that's like, I mean, that's pretty much my base level requirement for a movie to be a... Uh, something that I would consider a classic. Like something that's, if it's not a universal great movie, it's a classic to me. It's important to me is that ability to rewatch it and learn more. Yeah. If, if not necessarily like see like, uh, if not necessarily subplots mm. or subtext or anything like that, then you can see like, oh, I, I'm older now. And so I have an experience that I can relate to that I couldn't relate to before. And so now I see this this way. That's why like they say Vertigo is now, is like has kind of surpassed Citizen Kane as the new like best movie of all time, and a big part of that is because Vertigo is the as a type of movie that's like a Rorschach test. It's incredibly well made, but the point of view that you bring to it is a huge contributor to what you get out of that movie. Yeah, and that's uh, that. You, I mean, not every movie can be great that way, but that's something that I really look for. It's something that's really important to me, and this is the polar opposite of Vertigo. I can agree with that. I can get behind that. All right. I guess that's it, then. That's a good note to go out on. This movie, Rat Race, was not Vertigo. Yeah. subsidiary or anything related. Hey, well, thanks, Kyle, yeah. for being well, on the episode. We're, we're going to definitely have you back. Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it on this podcast. Yeah. Do it up. A female pilot? A female pilot? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. What kind of world do we live in? <laughs> All right. This has been The Secret Cinema. I'm Paolo. I'm Carrie. And I'm Kyle. See you later. Bye. The Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Crow. All theme songs were performed and recorded by Ricardo Ortiz. Any additional music or samples come from the film covered on this week's episode. All logos and artwork created by Carrie Chafee. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at CarrieSawThis and see more of her artwork at www.CarrieChafee.com. You can watch Paolo's short films at vimeo.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at letterbox.com slash Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls into the fair use provisions of U.S. copyright. Well, I wake up in the morning just every day, and I sit down at the table and I hear my daddy say, Life is nothing, it's a nothing Life is nothing but a slap